You know when you're expecting something and then you get something extra? What do you mean? Well, you know, like say uh, when you order something, like we did the other week at that uh, cool burger place down the road, and I ordered the burger with the cheese, and when it came out, I got double patty. You were pretty excited about that. Yeah, it was awesome. So what are you telling me? Well, it's kind of like this episode of the podcast. Oh, okay. It's that little bit extra. Oh, you're talking about our interview with Stephen Lem that we did. That's right. He featured in the last episode of the podcast, and I just thought there were some snippets there that were gold, but the chat was so good. I He's thought, a fountain of knowledge, Stephen Lem from Mortgage Choice. And I thought I've got to bring the whole thing to our listeners. So here it is, Stephen Lem in full with his thoughts on the property market and renovating for profit. Find it, style it. Just give me a little bit of a level. Stephen Lem, how are you going, Scott? Yeah, hope, you're, hope you're well. Of course. I'm great. I'm here with you. <laughs> <laughs> great to be here with you. All right. Thanks for your time and for you know, making yourself available. I think the questions that we're going to talk about today are things that people often find difficult and uh, don't know a lot about. And so having someone who's been in the business a long time and can share a bit of that is really exciting. What I want to know is, is how hard is it now to get a loan? I've been in the industry 35 years. It's the hardest it's been to get a loan, even when the GFC was on back in 2007, 2008. With all the regulatory changes with APRA and ASIC, putting pressure on the lenders to really dig a lot deeper into the, the loan process and, and asking a lot more questions on applicants around you know, their work history. Expenditure's a big one right now. That's a hot topic. Uh, APRA's really concerned about debt levels in Australia, especially around interest-only loans, which we may talk about later. But, yeah, that's really a, that's a hot topic, and it is much harder. Let me ask you about these questions that banks are asking about now when they're going through these processes with you or with, mm. with clients directly. Expenditure seems to be a, a really hot topic. And I've read a couple of articles uh, where people have um, had banks literally go line by line through their expenditure and ask them, well, why did you spend there? Why is it more than last month? How many coffees are you buying a week? How detailed are the banks getting and how much do they need to dig in now um, into people's personal finances? All lenders used to work on what we call the HEM, which is the Henderson Poverty Index. That's been used by lenders since you know, for 30-odd years, and it's updated yearly or every couple of years. And lenders would use that as a base mark or a base level to work out what you know, a single person would spend compared to a couple or a couple with three kids or no kids or whatever the case might be. Lenders are now literally starting to ask for your last two months' credit card statements and your last two months' savings history where you're deposited your credit for your salary. What they're looking for is um, undisclosed debts is the first one. That's the biggest one. But secondly, they're looking at, you're right, line by line, they're going through and saying, well, you spent 165 on maybe your strata or 190 or $200 on, on your council rates. And then, for example, things like dining out, etc., etc., which we would call um, discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. But if you're a single applicant and you clear $2,000 a month in, in expenditure, which is outside your mortgage repayment, you know, your day-to-day living costs, and it looks like you're spending four or five grand a month in your in your expenditure through those statements, and they will ask a question. Because they've got to make sure, because APRA's put a lot of pressure on them to make sure we can afford what we borrow and don't overextend ourselves. So that's what, it, that's what it's going to. And uh, no longer can we, can we just use the HEM, what we call the Henderson Poverty Index, to say well, that's what we think we're spending, even though it might be more or it might be less. Very rare is it less so that's that's the big trigger and, and why has it changed APRA going back 18 months put so APRA is the, the prudential APRA, regulator APRA, that, yeah, that oversees the banks yes Australian prudential regulatory authority oversees the banks they're really concerned about the debt levels that Australia's got especially in interest only lending whether it be as, as people or the banks people as us as consumers they're yes. worried about our debt levels yes us as borrowers they're concerned about us not 
being able to repay our debts by the time we retire, which is a big thing. Yep. So that's what they're looking for, to reduce that exposure. As I read yesterday in the Fin Review, the next tidal wave now is interest-only loans coming off. So you have a five-year interest-only loan, then it expires, then it would normally go back to what we call principal and interest. So those repayments are going to increase, obviously. Will that one put more pressure on uh, households' expenditure? Obviously it will. And how do you counteract that with income and, and cutting costs? So that's the next wave that will be coming through and has been coming through for 12 months or more. Let's let's go back then to, I guess, the start and thinking about two types of mortgages that people would ordinarily get. You get your, your interest only, which you've touched on there, and your principal in interest where you're paying back the, uh, the loan itself as well as the interest that accrues. You've said it's extremely hard to get a loan these days. Does the same apply for an investment property or does it get even harder? Yeah, very very topical, Scott, and very good question. I'll go back to the first part of that questioning. Look, loans are getting harder to get, but to me as a broker being in the industry for 35 years, I'm, I'm now tr- seeing banks trying to decline a loan rather than approve a loan. That's how hard it's getting. And it's good to have an expert on your side to help you through that process. Yep. If you're going in green to a lender direct, you'll find it very difficult. What APRA has told the uh, banks is that no more than 30% of new lending can be interest only. So that means 70% of applicants that apply, they must have principal interest repayments, whether it be for owner-occupied or for investment lending. Investment lending um, is obviously when you buy an investment property and you rent that property out and you can tax deduct the interest costs and all the associated costs with buying that property against your tax return, against your taxable income, and obviously your income from that property is taxable. Another uh, little nuance of what's happening literally as of two weeks ago, lenders are now starting to, especially some of the majors, are now starting to expend your investment costs uh, through your monthly expenditure. For example, most lenders across the board will give you a haircut of 20% of the rent you receive on any investment property you have. So they they say over a 12-month period, we expect you to get 80% of that rental income in. Things like expenditure for, you know, council order, etc., um, repairs, but also for insurance. Uh, insurance and also for vacancies. Yes. So that's, that's fair enough. They've actually now said, I oh, will give you a tw- 20% haircut on that, on that rent, but we're also going to add back the costs of your managing that. So your management costs, your strata costs, your council rates, etc., etc. Right. That goes into your living expenditure. Right. So actually, they're double dipping. Yeah. So as you can see, that would impact your capacity to borrow. Yes. So they're, they're really out. tightening the screws then. Big time. And it's for their benefit, but also because the regulator is concerned about the amount of debt that real holders people yes. here in Australia, yes. consumers. Yes. Okay, so this podcast is, and this series is about giving people some tips when they're going through this process, but also um, helping people to think about the questions they need to ask when they're going through the process of considering whether to uh, to buy a property uh, as an investment and to um, renovate for profit. I guess we start with some basics then. How important is it to get a good deposit together and what does that look like these days given those new rules you've just talked about? So if you're buying a property to renovate and, and then sell at some stage, then there's two ways you can obviously fund that. It's obviously from equity in your, in your current property if you have that available or if you don't, you're buying for your first time or buying your first property, then having a cash deposit of at least 10% plus your costs and a rule of thumb, 5% of your purchase price will cover your cost. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for 15%. That said, at that level of borrowing, if you're borrowing more than 80% of the value of the property, then the lenders will charge you what we call mortgage insurance. 
And there's different types of mortgage insurance out there. This one is commonly used to cover the bank. It covers the bank for lending you more than 80% of the value of the property. That covers the bank in the case that you default. doesn't cover you, doesn't cover the property. It covers the bank. So you're paying a premium anywhere between at 90% of around about 2.5% of the loan amount, um, which is, can be added to the loan in some circumstances, but in most circumstances you must fund it yourself. That's a one-off fee. It's not annually, thank God, but it's, uh, it is a fee which... Um, it needs to be paid. How to avoid that is have a 20% deposit, so borrow 80% or less of the value of the property, and obviously your so costs on top of that. So 20% plus costs. Plus costs, yeah. Is that something that you're seeing banks requiring at 20% now as well? Yeah, exactly, yes. That's 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 the minimum, yeah. And it's a yeah. safe thing to do, I suppose, if you can manage it to get to 20%. It makes the transaction a bit simpler. The banks will probably not press the screws as hard as that if they can see you've got a bigger deposit. You're spot on. Some lenders have what we call an authority to uh, approve the mortgage insurance in-house, up to say a million dollar loan for example. If it's outside that, it does go to the mortgage insurer and they have the final decision. It's out of the bank's hands for that decision to be approved. There's also things like differential lending value ratios, which means how much they'll lend you based on the postcode you live in. Oh, not the postcode, but the postcode where the property's being mm-hmm. sought. Yep. For example, the Sydney CBD compared to regional areas, compared to hotspots that in the market which um, the mortgage insurers update on a monthly basis. So if there's a hotspot where there's a concentration of apartments or there's something going through that that, uh, suburb which they're not happy with, they will reduce those lending value ratios accordingly. Yeah, so, uh, for example, um, you know, in 2018 in, in Sydney, we've seen a, a bit of a flatlining or a bit of a fall in housing prices. Uh, apartment prices have sort of maintained or grown a little bit. But then there's regional areas like Wollongong, the Illawarra and South Coast, where you've seen significant growth. Mm. And they're, they're the sorts of things that you're talking about that would be factored in there. Yeah, and, and, and growth doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. depends what's happening in the area that's driving that growth. So if it's a mining district, oh. um, the lenders are very, very wary <laughs> yes, of the side of the exactly. Yep. So that's where you expect to see some differences in what you can lend. You've got your deposit, you've got your 20% plus costs. What's the difference between primarily between those two types of loans, the, the investment loan and, an, and a normal mortgage? The main difference now, Scott, going back about 18 months, you could have, and back into the late 80s, early 90s, banks used to charge a margin on top, which means they'd add an interest rate loading compared to if it was investment or if it was owner-occupied. So if you're living in the property, which we call owner-occupied, then you're getting the, the smartest, cheapest rates you can get at the lowest common denominator that you can get. If it's for investment, another one of APRA's rulings going back just on 12 months ago was that to slow the market in investment lending and to curb um, expenditure, they wanted to, they've now made banks load the rate accordingly. So, for example, in a mid range, what I call a sexy rate for an owner occupier would be, you know, your 3738, say 39, under 4%. An investment loan, uh, anywhere between 4.7 to 5.5, depending on the lender at this stage. So you can see the difference between the pricing. And that, what we call pricing, the interest rate you pay, is determined by whether you're paying interest only or whether you're paying principal and interest. So if you're paying interest only, you'll pay a higher rate. If you're paying principal interest, you'll pay a lower rate, which will still be above 4, 4.5%. Yeah. But it's still a loading regardless. And, and so they're effectively pricing risk into um, into the mortgage. Correct. Because the risk it, that it, you might not have tenants, the risk that you default on your loan or that you... You know, start to struggle with the, the repayments because of costs um, at the property. And also, the, from the bank's point of view, they've got to hold $4 for every dollar you lend, that, they, that lend due. So to ha- them to hold that cost, as if it's interest only, that costs them more, they pass that back on to us as borrowers. You work with a whole range of financial institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as a broker, you know, you work across the big banks and, and other options too. Are there other options uh, for, for borrowers to look outside of the big four or big five banks? Yeah, great question. I love this question, especially when I'm talking to clients like yourself, <laughs> as you know. Yes. It's a great time to be a small lender, I reckon. Um, well, I know. Being around a long time, you'll find that the top four and you can, uh, the top Graham four banks. as well. Yeah, top five. Yeah, yep. but I call them a, I'll call them a, a tier two, a second lender. Yes, they're very smart on what they're doing right now. One of the makes it up, but certainly the top four will only match themselves. It's like a, it's like the petrol. You know, it's like the fuel. It's just they're all in for themselves. Yep. What I mean by that is because they have eighty two percent of the market. They're pretty bullish in what they can and can't do, and what they will and won't do. How much? Eighty-two percent. Eighty-two percent of the market. Wow, okay, so that 82, context, 82, that, it? that's their market share of the borrowings of wow. borrowings across Australia. Those four banks. Those four banks together on an everyday borrowing eighty-two percent, and that's coming down from about eighty-five, because the smaller lower, smaller guys, what we call your ING's or a, you know a top ten bank in the world, but they're not they're small compared to Australia. Credit Union Australia, Newcastle Permanent, Suncorp. I could go on and name so a few So the sort more. of traditional building society type yeah, banks. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. They've now taken some market share because clients are getting a lot more savvy. They're happy to move from the what we call the big boys because they're not getting they're not getting what they think they deserve and they should get. I can give you one quick example if you like. Go for it. I had a customer in here yesterday and, and I'd been to the bank and, and asked for what we call a rate review, which we do a lot. Now I did my rate review and I came back to the client and, and uh, I won't tell the bank, but I'll tell you what the rate they were given. It was 3.97% variable under a packaged loan, principal interest. For an owner-occupied? Owner-occupied place. It's not bad? It's not bad. They've been there 20 years, it's a million dollar loan. I said to the client, he's not happy. I said, well, why don't we come in and have a chat and we'll ring the bank together and we'll say that we're going to look at, you know, we want them to retain your business. So we rang the bank together yesterday at nine o'clock and lo and behold, the rate wasn't bettered and we were gobsmacked. Wow. To say, well, you know, I've been here 20 years, it's a million dollar loan, it's not a small loan. Yeah. And as you know, it's it's harder, it's easier to retain clients than it is to get them. It costs you three times as more in cost to to get a client to a bank than it is to retain them. Now, if that client had a gone goes from that bank and comes back, they'll treat him as a new customer, yep. and I'll get him three point seven two. Wow, nearly quarter percent difference in rate, but they wouldn't want to keep him, so they've now lost that client. We're going to another lender as of today. One of the smaller lenders. Yeah, yeah. If you've already got a uh, uh, you know mortgage, there's that option. But for people coming into the market, if they're looking at um, you know buying a property to renovate for profit, then mm. these are the options that are open to them as well. Looking mm. uh, effectively uh, their new business, and they've got the uh, the suite of banks and lenders to choose from. Exactly, that's right. So we've talked a little bit about what the banks are looking for in a in a mortgage application. Looking at your expenditure and your costs and your your debt. Is there anything else that that they're looking for that people need to prepare themselves for before coming to see someone like you? One of the big things now, and it's a lot more topical in the market, especially on the internet, the World Wide Web, that uh, getting your credit score is, I think, is paramount, so you know what your credit score is before you apply. And it's easy to go online to mycreditscore.com.au. It's a free service. You'll see it on TV advertised. I did it myself last week. It's brilliant. It doesn't affect your credit score. Okay. It doesn't affect your credit rating. But it tells you what your credit score is. So the, obviously the higher the number, the better risk you are from a bank's point of view of what they'll look at you on an overall, an overall basis. Your credit check, which is done via um, Equifax, that tells you every time you apply for credit, whether it be a credit card, a phone bill, um, some sort of utility, any financier or any body like that will do a credit check on you to see if you're credit worthy. That will always stay on your record for five years from when you apply. So every fifth five years from when you apply, it drops off, but it stays there for five years. Really important to keep those inquiries down. So what I'm trying to say is if you're looking for a mortgage 
and you're shopping the market, don't go and apply to three or four banks at a time. I've heard, I've heard a, a lot of advertising on radio about um, fixing your black marks on your credit um, history. How many people or what percentage of the population have these black marks? It's hard for me to say, Scott. I come across it probably four or five times a year, and it's not a cheap process to get changed. Yep. Uh, and, not, and not in all cases will it be changed. What I mean by that is, say you've had a default with a, say Vodafone for example, or what we call a telco, um, it's under $1,000, it's not your fault, you maybe changed address, didn't get the bill. Uh, most banks are pretty um, sympathetic to that, actually they are very sympathetic to that. But where it's say a, what we call a contractual arrangement like a personal loan or a home loan and you defaulted, your chance of getting that reviewed and getting it taken off by that provider off your what we call your credit check is it's, uh, very, very highly unlikely. But to get those credit, what we call credit repair, it does take time and you do pay for it. Trying to mitigate that by not having that issue in the first place is the best way to go. And if you ever get to that stage where you're in trouble, where you need some financial help, ring the lender or ring that telco and say, look, I'm having an issue, can I sort some out payment arrangement or something? That way it won't get to your credit check as a, as a, as a black mark. You've been with Mortgage Choice for many years. What's the benefit of coming to a broker as opposed to going direct to a lender? I'll give you ex- a good example, Scott. I was at Westpac 15 years until I bought my franchise 20 years ago. When I was at Westpac, I was obviously a paid salesperson at Westpac. All I could do was press the products, or, you know, what do you call, recommend those products with the red W. Yep. And I was proud to do that because that's my employer telling me to do that. But now I bought my franchise. Um, you have a choice when you come to a broker. They, they, they've got the expertise to know what's in the market, what will fit well with what you're looking for because we know the bank's policies. Although it's getting harder these days, but we, that's, that's up to us to make sure we're on top of that. But certainly um, having the choice of a broker gives you options of where you wouldn't have had before, number one. And number two, not having to waste your time going to a provider where you know, where I know, the broker knows that it ain't going to fit their policy or their niche of what they do. So we can cut through that at no cost to you. We save your time and come back with some recommendations and you can and you can choose what those recommendations are and make that decision and move on and we can do all that processing and paperwork. In this episode, we're talking about um, being able to get good help. How mm. quantifiable you know, is the help that you offer? You know, do, do, do you think you provide a, a measurable benefit back to your clients? Oh, Certainly, Scott. You've been a client of mine for a long time. You know how, how we work and what we do, even any broker for that fact. A good broker will always be in contact with you over the period of the journey of the loan, especially three, four times a year, just saying hello and seeing what's happening in the market with, with it by newsletters or a phone call. But certainly the biggest thing, I think, is doing home loan reviews to make sure what you've got is still current. And that should be done at least every 18 months to two years to make sure what you've got is correct. So having, having that backup, which banks won't do for you, the banks won't ring and say, how are you going? How's your mortgage? because they haven't got a vested interest. <laughs> well, the only vested interest they have is to make more money. Correct, and that's leave the loan as it is at the rate it's on. I think the only other question that we wanted to cover off was... Can I just add one thing in, Scott, that's uh, very, very pertinent, and it comes out 1 July this year. People need to be aware of, and it's been pretty quiet, positive credit reporting. Have you heard of that? I have not. We're about to find out. (laughs) Positive schools in. Positive credit reporting's been in the US for a number of years. What we have in Australia is what we call well, not positive. It's not negative. It's just on your credit check through Equifax. Every time you put a you make an inquiry for a credit card, a personal loan, a home loan, or whatever it might be, it goes onto your credit check for five years, and it'll tell you the date. And the amount you borrowed in most cases or it'll, it'll show zero and it'll show what type of contract it is and who's providing that, that finance. What's happening from 1 July and all lenders need to be involved in it. So let's say you've got a credit card, 
uh, say National Australia Bank for example, what they're doing now is they're going back two years of history on your credit card and it'll show you, number one, is it still open? Number two, the history of that card, how many times it's been in default, how many times it's been paid on time, if it's been over its limit, etc, etc. And the same with your home loan and personal loans. If people may think they can apply for finance and not disclose a, a debt, you know, those days are over. But what it does do, it does give the lender too a positive outcome about how good this person is at borrowing money, which all comes down to the overall decision that the banks make about when you apply for finance. So keep an eye out for that. I feel like a lot of what we talked about has been really serious and uh, <laughs> it, it, it feels pretty challenged. It is. Um, you know, you've said how hard it has been uh, or how hard it is now compared to years previous. Australian property has always been, I guess, the cornerstone of a lot of people's you know, personal investment and our economy. Mm. It's been really hot over the last four to five years. In the last 12 months, it's, it has come off. I don't want to ask your opinion, but what are, what are clients telling you when they come in? How are they feeling about property, about investing, about um, their own personal wealth and about the, the future of this industry uh, and their own sort of you know, personal economics when they go through this process with you? Have you got an hour, Scott? No, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll... I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll put in a couple of sentences for you. Uh, customers these, day are, these days are very, very wary uh, about, one, their job security, looking after family, and the biggest thing is not overextending themselves too far where they still can't, what I call, live. You know, go out to have, din- uh, have a bite to eat on a, on a weekend or during the week or have a nice holiday once or twice a year. They're still very, very, not still, they're actually working on that basis where they don't compromise their lifestyle. Um, yes, they're seeing the market has... Um, dipped a little bit, which we're coming off very high highs if you're looking in New South Wales, or especially Sydney. But that's not a bad thing because we've been off some uh, very low lows. And are people being more conservative then in how they plan to pay back their mortgage and how much they're, they're borrowing? Yeah, they, that's that, come to that, Scott. That's right. So people are looking to manage their expense levels by not borrowing too much. So if anything goes awry, that they've got some capacity to still pay that debt when time's as good. So are you positive about the future? Or oh, are you... I'm always positive. I'm glass half full, not glass half empty. I've seen this for 30 odd years and, and it's still a great time to buy. It is a buyer's market, as we talk, and there's some good buyers out there. If you're buying and selling in the same market, you're going to do okay. I'm so glad we could share that full interview with our listeners, Scotty, because it really was a really interesting and in-depth interview, and I learnt so much, and I feel like I already knew quite a bit, but now I feel like I know even more. Yeah, me too. He um, you know, took us through so much there that I guess you could take for granted or assume you know, but there's some detail there that's really worth thinking about when you are looking to um, buy a property, whether it's for an investment and you're looking to renovate for profit or if you're just looking to buy a house. And he's a really trusted guy for us, um, and he knows what he's talking about, so it was great to have that full length chat with him to bring that to you and we've got a really big announcement about Stephen. Should we ring a bell or something? If I had one I would. (laughs) Um, Stephen Lem and Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay is coming on board as a sponsor for the second half of this season of the Find It Style It podcast Renovating for Profit which we're really excited about. That is so exciting because we do have heaps more great episodes coming up. Some more experts that we're going to be speaking to. Who have we got coming up, Scotty? A real estate agent, Daniel Acox from the agency in Bondi. Excellent. A really well-credentialed real estate agent who's got some good tips about what happens when you're ready to sell or rent your property once the renovation is complete. And uh, a big name, uh, Marshall Keane from Channel 9's Buying Blind. 
And he's also a very accomplished builder. I've seen a lot of his work on, on Instagram and Facebook. He does some amazing work, so it's going to be great to have a chat with him. Check him out, Marshall Keen. That's Marshall with one L on Instagram. And uh, I guess go to Nine Now to have a look at the um, episodes of the recent season of Buying Blind. Yeah, great. I love watching that show. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it was a good concept, right? Yeah, so Mar- what's Marshall going to be talking to us about? It's, it's more about planning and, and using your builders for great success. Yeah, and I guess one of the questions we want to pose in the second half of the season is uh, really around um, asking for help. You know, a lot of the time when you're undertaking these projects, it can get on top of you a little bit and you probably take on a bit too much yourself. Um, And we ebbed and flowed through that a little bit as well. And there was a point where we looked and chatted to a a couple of experts who really got us out of a hole. And, um, you know, that episode, uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about um, how to um, ask for help and not to be afraid to do so because it's one of the, the keys to success of renovating for profit. So that's coming up in the next few weeks after a quick break here on the podcast. Great. We look forward to uh, bringing you all those episodes in the near future. Thanks to Mortgage Choice at Neutral Bay. Follow Lauren on your socials for latest style trends and tips. Just search Find It, Style It and subscribe now for exclusive perks, discounts and updates about store openings straight into your inbox. Go to finditstyleit.com.au.